Mishiva.org, Shiur on Evan Hashtia. Shiur number three. Okay, Shiur number three takes us into. Uh, second, okay, takes us into the story and all the Midrashim regarding the dream of uh, Yaakov Avinu, the forefathers. Now, Evan Eshtia really, 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 really starts getting interesting. Okay, now. Well, there's a famous story that we have in um, in Parshat Vayetzeh. Vayetzeh Yaakov Mibar Sheva, Vayelecharana. Instead of reading all the words, let's just discuss it. Yaakov leaves Beersheba and goes to Haran. No, let's go. Unmute. Why is he going? Why is he going to uh, Haran? Two reasons. He's running Unmute from his brother. Running from his brother. Very good. Esav wants to kill him. Correct. What else was he want to do in Haran? Find a wife. Find a wife. Very good. So he's leaving and going to Haran. Now it's interesting that the Pasuk says and the Midrashim talk about this. Yaakov leaves Beersheba. Whenever you have a story, we mentioned before the story of Yaakov. It might jump me and say, a story? Come on, this is not a story. Torah doesn't tell us stories. Well, whenever the Torah describes something in a story manner, there are a lot of deep ideas, very deep ideas behind it. It's just unbelievable. So the Jerushim will talk about what's the idea of leaving Beersheva. Who cares? He left. He went to Haran. <laughs> he ran away. What do I care where he left from? Right? We asked you before, right, if you're coming to visit Israel. Did we ask if you're leaving the place you're in right now and coming to Israel? No. It's like, you know, what's the relevant Pasuk in the Torah? Interesting point. Let's go on. Okay, he came to a certain place. Makom doesn't it doesn't say anything. He he came to a place. So and he slept there. because the sun set. Again, what's What's the relevance of all this? And then he took from the rocks of the, the stones in that place. And he put them in Rashutav. Doesn't mean under his head. It means like around his head to protect him. And he slept, and he slept over there. So what, what does it mean he took from the stones of that place? So again, my, my goal over here is as follows. Before we see the beauty that the Medrash uh, inputs into these Psukim, let's first look at the Psukim and observe that the Psukim are hinting to us that something very special is happening over here. He's leaving Beersheba, whatever that means. He's going to Haran, okay? He meets, he, he, he comes upon a certain place, Makom. What Makom? What's special about it? He sleeps there because the sun set. Like, okay, thank you. What are you trying to tell me? Sunset, you go to sleep, no? And he takes not just any stones and he puts them under his head or around his head, but he takes from the stones of that place, Mavneha Makom. 
what what are stones of that place? Stones in the ground? Like, okay, there's stones everywhere. Maybe not in Nebraska, but I don't know. Here, there's <laughs> stones everywhere. I mean, Jer Jerusalem, right? Actually, in the tiny, there aren't too many stones either. But come to Jerusalem, every place you go, only stones. That's it. That's all we have here. So, <laughs> next. He has a very interesting dream. And he has he sees a ladder from earth all the way to heaven, and the, and the angels of God are going up and down. And then Hashem is standing above the ladder, above Yaakov, and he says, I am the I am Hashem, the God of your forefathers. And the land you are sleeping upon, I shall give you and your and your children. And your children will spread upon the whole earth, and so on and so on. I'll protect you, and I won't leave you, and so on. Now, Pasuk Zion. Yaakov gets up. Wow. God, there's, God is present in this place. Well, again, isn't God present every place? And he says, and he says, and he's shaken. How manorah? How awesome is this place? Or how, how full of awe? To be more precise, is this place? Okay, okay, okay. These are the key words. This must be the house of God, and this is the gateway to heaven. Now, something over here. Wait, wait. Let's just get this straight. He's sleeping in a field. He's sleeping on a field. He takes some stones. He has a dream. He goes, God is in this place. Well, here and not everywhere else. And this is the house of God. It's a gateway to heaven. What in the world is he seeing? What is going on over here? And finally, Vayashkem Yaakov Aboker, Yaakov wakes up in the morning. He takes this stone that he put by his head. No, not the many stones. So the famous mentor everyone knows, right? He had many stones when he went to sleep, but when he woke up, they all became one stone. And he makes it a pillar, or a matzivah really means, a, by Hebrew, it means like a tombstone, but actually it means a stone with something to remember, some kind of monument. And he pours oil on top of it, i.e. he anoints it. Okay, we've read this 100,000 times. If we look at it closely, we like something's very strange. Now, this stone, three guesses. What is this stone going to be? This stone that was by his head has to do with the shear. It's a hint. What did this stone eventually become, according to the Medrash? Foundation stone. Yeah, that's correct. Evan Hashtia, the foundation stone. So, so all, all this section now in the Torah is telling me a story of how Evan Hashdiah came to be. And he calls that a city, Beit El, but its original name was Luz. And then he makes a nether that if I'll go and I'll come back safely, then, then you know what's going to happen? If, uh, if Hashem protects me like he said he would, ready? This stone that I made as a monument will become the house of God and everything God will give me, I'll give God 10%. Oh, wait, wait. He's making a deal with God, right? If Hashem really protects him and he comes back safe from Haran, 
this stone that he anointed will become the house of God. Everything Hashem gives, he'll give Hashem, he'll give Hashem, uh, put aside a tent. What, what, what in the world? <laughs> okay, is the question good? Do we understand the story? Do we understand the? Okay. Yes. yes. I wanted to ask. Okay. I don't know if this is a question, but the uh, so I remember at the beginning uh, was there was some in Rashim that said that this that Evanestia is was like what formed the earth, mm -hmm. uh, and I remember some of your pictures was like a much big like a big stone. I'm imagining like not such a big stone because he put his head on it. Wow. And okay. Also, and also like uh, I don't know the fact that he that the midrash said that it was a bunch of stones that that came together which i don't know if i don't know if it's like literal or not but um then you know if if it, this is, was the one stone that started the earth i don't know i see like potential contradictions but i don't know if there's anything 100 percent. it looks like know. a massive massive contradiction it's just uh, one second hold on uh it's fine. Don't worry, it's fine. Okay, so first of all, the question is excellent. It's a complete contradiction. A complete contradiction. It says, and first of all, we said also, you already gave the answer. The Midrashim are conceptual. They're not to be taken literally. So that will be the answer. But still, we saw in the Midrash, the Midrash, we saw the Gemara in the Darim. Let's just bring this up for a second. Okay, I'll bring up the Gemara in the Darim that said that the whole world was created from the rock of foundation. Let's bring the Gemara in the Darim. Not in Darim, sorry, Numa. Okay, the Gemara in Numa says, right? Uh, the world was created from Tion, as it says, uh, whatever. And Tanya, oh, here we go. So basically, the rock, the rock was created from Tion, the Evan Hashtia. This rock, this rock of foundation, was created from the whole world, was created from this rock. Let's just see it over here. Right, there was a rock over there in the Kodesh Kodeshim, which, as we remember in the picture, was a humongous rock, is a humongous rock, and it was called Shtiya From there, the whole world was created. So, it was a world created from this rock? So, first of all, you ask the question: How big could the stone possibly be that Yaakov either put his head on or put around his head? Number two, we see that rock has been there forever and ever. It didn't come later on. So that's an amazing question. What in the world is going on over here? So what I would like to share with you is uh, first and foremost, uh, the Orachayim. The Orachayim says as follows. Let's see the Orachayim over here. The Orachayim, he also brings, is also brought down in the Zohar. Okay. Rabbi, when it says it was created from Dion, does from mm -hmm. necessarily have to be a location? That's a good, it's a good point. Because you know, you know, if we talk about, yeah. 
if we talk about I'm I'm from Nebraska, that's a location. But if mm -hmm. you say um, my desk is made from wood. Right. So Tion usually is a place. Now there's a very big discussion. You have Tion Virushalayim. For example, in Shiva calls the Ashkenazic terminologies, Hamakome Nechemetchem Betoch Sha'ar, Shemi comfort you amongst the Avelim of Tion and Yerushalayim. Well, what is Tion? What is Yerushalayim? So many times Tion is referred to as the Beit HaMikdash itself, which again, Beit HaMikdash itself again represents an idea. It's brought explicitly in the commentaries. Beit HaMikdash is, a, is the, the climax of connecting with Hashem. So your point is very well made. Yes, it's a place, but at the same time, it's not a place at all. So it's like it's all made from spirituality to a certain extent. So both answers are are are, are correct. Okay. Which actually is is part of the answer over here. So now we see something over here which is interesting. says the Orachim. This stone that Yaakov now anoints with oil, and he said this will be the house of God, will be the Evan Hashtia, and he quotes over here, he quotes the Zohar over here, and he quotes some other place in Tanchuma, and so on and so on. This is the Orachayim HaKadosh on this section, on the on this Pasuk. And now I'd like to take you for a tour through the Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer. Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer, written by Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, one of the greatest of the greatest of the Tanaim, the eras of the rabbis of the Mishnah. Okay, let us get to work. And again, everything we're seeing here is now conceptual, and then we'll see how things start flying together. We'll see what Evan Ashtiyah really is. Everything we've seen till now, we've seen the Evan Ashtiyah, the world that comes from Evan Ashtiyah. We've also seen um, last week that Evan Ishtiyah, you know, places of uh, Kodesh Kodeshim. We've seen a lot of different, different ideas we've seen in, in these past Shirim, but now we're getting to literally the climax. Let's go. Says Pirke Durabilezer. Okay. So, first of all, he says, Rabbi Akiva says, every place that our forefathers would go, they would have a well, the famous well of Miriam. There was a magical well, which again represents an idea. Now, let's go. What does a well represent? What does a well have in it? And what idea does a well represent? Let's go. Life. Life. Good. Go on. Think of a well, think of a well, by the way, versus a water cistern where it just gathers water. Well is actually water coming out of the ground. So it's like a man-made spring. That's what a well is. A spring bursts out of the earth on its own. And a well is when human beings dig down deep enough and they, they reach water that starts coming out on its own. Okay, so again, it's fresh water coming out, right? What? What what does that mean in your mind? You always have a, a well. 
water, life. What else? Water is always a metaphor for. Chesed, isn't it? Chesed. Torah. Correct. There was all the content. It's a source of life. It's a source. When you have water coming out, it's always, it, it's sort of like, you know, the concepts and ideas are always coming out of the earth. It's sort, it's sort of like the source of, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like, it's like, imagine you're always having like new water coming out, new ideas, new thoughts. It's like the sort, what's that? No, I said, yeah, that's, that's really, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like now. Now, what's unique about a bear? Why not just say a spring? This is. I was yeah, thinking that, that man, it's man-made, so it's like ah. man, um, man getting in touch with the with Torah, like man bringing up the Torah. Oh, Madim. Unbelievable, beautiful, 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 beautiful. Yeah. So, so again, that's why metaphors. That's why metaphors are so important because a, a metaphor gives you your own ability of actually going deeper and deeper and deeper into the idea. That's like when we say Hashem is on Kiseha Kavod, we all know there is no actual throne. Hashem does not have a shape of a human sitting on a throne. We know that. But we're trying to describe a feeling, an aura of, of, of a throne, everything that goes with it, right? So we use metaphors. So, so a well is something, one of the most amazing metaphors out there. A well represents that people put energy into it. But when they put energy, they didn't put the water. The water's coming out of the ground. So it's like we did our part, and all of a sudden, Hashem is like on his own, giving us, pumping us with water. So imagine if you work very hard and you and, and you work, you worked for 10 hours and someone gave you money. You don't feel that's that you got plenty from Hashem. You worked hard, you got the money. But here you work hard and you dig, but the water is nothing you did. It, it's nothing to do with you. Nothing. It's like I worked hard, I did my hishtadlut, I did my part, and Hashem just bestows you with with spirituality, with more and more. That's, that's the idea of a well, right? You you get down, and the abundance comes out. So so our forefathers, it's mentioned, it's a conceptual idea. Rabbi Akiva says wherever our forefathers would go, the well would go with them, and it was they. They, they dug for this well a number of times, which, which represents, again, working hard for it. And we see by Yitzchak, Yitzchak Avinu, after going through the different challenges, he dug a number of times. And each time he dug, there was a problem. He dug three wells. And Chazal teach us that the first well represents the first temple, the second one, the second temple. And both of them didn't work out. But the third well he dug represents the third temple that did work out. Anyway, at the end of the day, uh, also, there's a story how he had a fight between him and Avimelech, the king of the, the Philistines over there. At the end of the day, the third well worked out, representing, again, challenges in life at the first two, the third, everything worked out fine. And he caught, and, they, and they, they take an oath that they will be at peace. And that city became known as the Oath of the Well. Or, in other words, you know, what's another way of saying the Oath? Of the well, Be'er. Be'er Sheva. Be'er Sheva. Excellent. Uh, so Be'er this was she- this was yeah. the last the last well that he dug. Yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, by by by, it's like a Yeah, 
total amount of wells that were dug were seven. You have a number by, yeah, actually, you have by Yitzchak, you have by Yaakov, and finally you have by the Jewish people in the desert, the famous Be'er Miriam, which again represents an idea. Yes, they also needed water in the desert. But when we think about it, what were, they, what were our forefathers really doing in the desert? What were they doing there for 40 years? What were they doing there? Except for, of course, walking to Israel, which, which doesn't take 40 years. But what else were they doing there? They were learning Torah. Yes, Nachon. Nachon. They were learning Torah. They were moving up spiritually 100%. Now we understand so well. Right? They had a well with them. They were learning more and more and more and more and more and more and more. So they always had a well with them in the desert. When they reach Eretz Israel, there's no need for a well anymore because they're now in Eretz Israel. They're ready to get to work. They've learned, they've graduated, and now they're in Eretz Israel. We're here to work. A gas station is beautiful, but the car cannot stay in the gas station. It's got to leave and start driving. So it says that the Be'er Miriam went into, into the Kinneret. If you really want to know, okay, uh, it, mm. <laughs> it says that the Mashiach, uh, again, we're going off on a topic, and Midrashim is a little dangerous because we could go on forever. Uh, it never ends, okay? But I just want to share that we mentioned Be'er Miriam. The reason we have Be'er Miriam, the desert was in the merit of Miriam. She was very, very, very special. And she was such a big tzaddikah that in her merit, the well was there. Okay? So the well is there by Hashem, but it's her schut that we actually have the well now. It says that the Mashiach will begin from Tveria. That's where he will come first, and from Tveria he will come then, uh, eventually get to Yerushalayim. Again, conceptual idea. Wow. Some of the commentaries say, you know why he begins from Tveria, because Tveria has very special water. What's the water by Tveria? What's the main source of water by Tveria? Okay. That's right. It's a massive lake. Now, what's in the Kinneret? The well of Miriam, when it came to Israel, the well of Miriam got, went into the Kinneret, it says. So the water, the Kinneret, has this power of Be'er Miriam. Again, it's a conceptual idea that when Mashiach comes, he's not just, yay, saving everybody. It will be, spirituality will come to the land. It will be a very, very special period of time where people feel they're growing spiritually. Spirituality is growing more and more and more and more and more. So Yaakov Avinu now has a Be'er coming with him. He comes from Be'er Sheva. And he's leaving to Haran. In Haran, he's not going to have the well with him. Haran is already Hutzla Aretz. Haran is leaving the gas station and actually going to deal with life. He's going to the house of Lavan. He's going to a difficult challenge. So Yaakov Avinu, again, leaves Be'er Sheva. He leaves the source of life. He spent many years learning Torah, connecting to the well. He's leaving the well. And he's now going into life, going to Haran. Okay, let's go on. It was 77 years when he leaves. And, the, and now the well accompanies him. From Beersheba all the way to Mount Moriah. And he gets there in the afternoon. Okay, 
Now, Hashem wanted him to sleep on the mountain. Sleeping represents that uh, nevuah because we're not in our regular human shape form. So Hashem wanted him to stay. So Hashem, even though it was the middle of the afternoon, Hashem made the sun set. That's why it says that the Pasuk says, oh, and he went to sleep because the sun set. Like, thank you. What are you telling me? Of course you go to sleep when the sun set. No, the Pasuk is telling me that a miracle happens and the sun set. Okay, now. Let's go on. Yaakov now, no tirka de Rabbi Eliezer. Again, written by one of the greatest of all the Tanaim. Look at this. Yaakov takes, remember, Vaikach, it said in the Pasuk, Vaikach me'avnei hamakom. He didn't just take any 12 stones. He took 12 stones of that place. What is that place? Well, he was in Mount Moriah. There's Pirka de Rabbi Eliezer. He took 12 stones from the Mizbeach, from the altar, Aviv. He took it from the altar of Yitzchak Avinu, the altar of Akidat Yitzchak. And he put 12 stones around his head to represent that he will one have the 12 tribes. And all the stones became one to represent an idea that all the 12 will all unite and be one, one nation. Okay, let's try to understand this. Okay, Yaakov now is protecting himself. He's putting stones around him, and he's taking stones. He couldn't find any stones on Hara Moriah to put around him. So he took stones from the Mizbeach, from the altar. He took about the altar that Avram Avinu built for Kedah Yitzchak. And Why did the altar have so many stones in the first place? Like, oh, altar, altars usually are made, are made of a lot of stones. You know, that you have to make um, it pretty hot. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That he couldn't find any stones, and you're asking good. What if the altar was just one big stone? Could be the altar was one big stone. Could be. What is this again? It's a metaphor. Okay. How did? How are you understanding this? Okay. Yaakov now is in Mount Moriah. The well is accompanying him. He's about to leave Eretz Israel. He's about to leave his his uh, bubble of Torah and spirituality and about to go now into Chutzlars, right? He's about to go into the challenge of life, a very difficult challenge, about to start building the nation of Israel. We live in the real world. It's a challenge. Okay, so the well's coming with him to Mount Moriah. Shem says, I want you now to sleep over here. Or I want you now to connect to the highest possible spiritual level. Go on. Why is he taking stones? From the altar of Yitzchak. What's special about it? Go ahead. Thoughts. Feel free. Don't worry. So, I heard, um, like, okay, this is an idea I heard from somebody else that the uh, all the stones represented um, that he was worried about life. He was out of the security of his, you know, of his homeland. And so that's why he put rocks around his head because now he was worried about the forces of nature and a lot of all the details of getting eaten by animals and, and all that. And then my thoughts, he's, out of, he's out of his bubble. Why? Yeah, that wasn't, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry and I was thinking ahead, like maybe maybe the idea that uh, I, I don't know how to connect this, but maybe that it, it says from the altar of Yitzhak is maybe he's looking back to the security of his father, but I don't know how that really connects. 
Well, first of all, what else does he have from his father? The well, right? The well is from his father. Mm -hmm. The well representing the Torah, the spirituality. So Yitzchak Avinu has a, he taught Yaakov. Mm -hmm. So he's taking his father with him. Very good. And that well was oh. Avram too. So you have Avram and Yitzchak. Yaakov was not born into you know from nothing into nothing. Yaakov is the son of Yitzchak, or the grandson of Avram Avinu. That's why he's considered to be the only one of our forefathers that can go back. You remember, Avram Avinu had to leave Haran. Hashem says, listen, you can't stay here anymore. You have to leave and go to Eretz Yisrael so you could develop. You, you, you can't make it here. Yitzhak Avinu was born and raised in Eretz Yisrael. And Yaakov was so strong, stronger than Avram and stronger than Yitzhak. He can go back to Haran where Avram Avinu came from and stay there for many years and stay strong. So he was better than Avram, better than Yitzhak, but not better than them. It was because he had a grandfather called Avram and a father called Yitzhak that was so strong, they made him they made him the strongest. In other words, he's standing on their on their shoulders. So Yaakov Avinu is, is the one who will have the 12 tribes because after three fathers, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and the four mothers who built up this tremendous nation, we're now ready. Now we're ready. So, exactly right. He's protecting himself now from the world. The only way to protect yourself from the world is he's leaving the bubble. He's leaving the bubble. He's leaving the well. He's leaving everything. He needs the strength of the altar. Now, what's unique about the altar is that it's considered to be the highest level of all the challenges that Avram Avinu had. It's the ultimate sacrifice of life. It, it's always called the sacrifice of Avram, but it also is the sacrifice of Yitzchak. Yitzchak knew that he was going to be sacrificed. He knew it. And he went willingly. He went willingly. So basically when we're trying to show the strength of the fathers, it's not just that they taught Torah, they taught spirituality. We see they were willing to sacrifice themselves, the ultimate sacrifice. And that's the highest level someone can reach, the end of Shir Hashirim, the ultimate love story between the Jewish nation and Hashem, talks about how fierce the love is and we're even willing to die for it. That's the highest possible level. So he now takes the stones from the altar of Yitzhak. It's a conceptual idea, which means he's he's strengthening himself with the idea, I got the Torah from my from my from my father, from my mother, from my grandfather, from my grandmother. I got their Torah. They taught me everything I have. I worked in it and I'm also I'm ready for the ultimate sacrifice. He took from the stones of the altar, put it around him. Now he's ready. Okay. I, I think it also connects yes. the future. So he's he's in the middle. He's, he's got twelve stones, which uh, yeah. I think he's got the the he's kind of got the uh, want to say protection, but that's a good word of the of the fathers and of the future. Ah, well, you're saying beautifully. You're saying he took the stones, but he took twelve stones to represent he's going to have. A con con continuation. So he's saying these stones are not in the past, not just for me, 
but these stones will continue forward for the 12 tribes. That's what you're saying? No? Yeah, something like that. Wow. Beautiful. It's like Tazuk. What's that? In a way, it's Hazuk for him. For him, what Omi added, that's right, it's for him. That's true. And also giving to his children. So, okay. so it's, it's actually brought down this interesting uh, Chazal, which talks about, which says that why do we praise Avram Avinu so much for, for being willing to sacrifice his son? And Yitzchak for dying, we see across the centuries that Jews have given their lives time and time and time again. <clears throat> so what makes Avram Avinu so great? And Chazal say it's the other way around. It's because Avram Avinu instilled in us that mesirut nefesh, that, that that total devotion, because of that, we as children now can do that. So based on what Naomi said here, it makes perfect sense. Yaakov takes the stones of the altar, and he now makes it 12 of them, representing this now the strength and power will be given to all his children. That night, that very night, again, Sleeping, leaving the physical world. After Yaakov, before falling asleep, does the maximum he can from the physical point of view. He has the well, he has the stones, and then he sees the ladder going all the way up to heaven. Okay, and the Pirka de Rabbi Eliezer brings the famous Medrash that he didn't just the angels go up and down. He basically had a vision of all the future, all the way till the era of uh, Mashiach. He saw that the Jewish nation will be taken captive by four Galuyot. He saw the powers of Babylon, of Persia, of Greece, of Rome. He saw all the tremendous powers in the world. He's about to leave Israel. He's about to leave the bubble. He's about to go into the real life. And he had a dream about what this real world now was going to be. This real world now is going to be a hard world. Malachim Olim Ve'erdim. And he saw the angel of Babylon, of Bavel, Nebuchadnezzar, going up, moving up. And then he saw that it comes down. He will lose his power and the nation will be saved. And then he saw the Persian king go up. And then the Persian king, the power of Persia go down. And then the Greeks. And the Greeks fell. And the Romans. And the Ro- well. Not exactly. The Romans didn't exactly fall. And he did not see him come down. And Yaakov started getting nervous. What's going to be? Anyway, and then Hashem, Hashem tells him about, about the Geula and so on. Nonetheless, Yaakov now gets up in the morning. The Pachad Gadol. He had a vision now of eternity. He saw the highest possible level of spirituality. It wasn't just a dream of angels going up and down. Uh, he actually saw the vision of the whole world from start to end. And he says, this must be Hashem's home. This must be Hashem's home. Hashem's uh, home. From here you'll learn, says Rabbi Lezer Hagadol, from here we see that anyone who davens 
and this spot in Yerushalayim is as if he davened before Kiseh HaKavod. Why? It's as if he davened before the Holy Throne. Because this spot that he was on, which is the place of Kodesh HaKodeshim, because the gate of heaven, Shara Shamaim, Sham Hu, there it is. Upetach Patuach Lishmoa Tefillah. And it's an open gateway for listening to prayer. Shinemar Vizeh Shar Hashemayim. So Yaakov Avinu says that he took this half, he wakes up and he goes, oh, How full of awe is this place? This must be. It's the gateway to heaven, literally, heaven and earth. This is exactly the place where they meet. Yeah, you were saying, about to say something. Oh, how can we dub in at Kodesh Kodeshim? That's like you can't go there, right? Ah, good question. Now, it says if someone's in Chutz Laaretz, what direction do you dub in? East. East, towards Israel, correct? And if you're in Israel, if you're in Netanya, do you dub in East? No, what direction do you dive in? I don't know. It's kind of like a crooked direction. <laughs> crooked direction. <laughs> Toward, towards. Very good. Very good. Yeah, because, towards, right. It says Yerushalayim for sure. Towards Yerushalayim. That's right. I live in Yerushalayim. And if you're in Yerushalayim, what direction do you dive in? Wherever the temple. Wherever the temple So actually, we're all davening towards, we're focusing our prayers. Towards Kodesh HaKodeshim, right? Because that is the gateway to heaven. So, first of all, Hashem is everywhere in the world, everywhere. So, what did Yaakov see in this dream? He now realizes this is the gateway to heaven. This is the Shar Hashemayim. Gateway to what? What's going on upstairs? What's going on downstairs? What's going on over here? Now, remember, we learned last week. We learned last week about how the world uh a human being beta mikdash it's all it's all and the world is all is all one we saw how the beta mikdash also was built in a way representing a human being we saw the medrash tanhuma that says that just like a human being is created from uh, the umbilical cord that's where it starts right it begins from the tabur and then grows also, the world was created from one spot, which is the Evan Hashtia, and from there it actually grows. Now, what is an umbilical cord's job? Is to bring the strength and the energy from the mother to the new child, correct? That's what an umbilical cord is. So if we remember that Midrash Tanhuma, let me just see if I can find it over here so we can see it. Hold on a second. Midrash Tanhuma. And Hashem created uh, the world with Chokhmah. Hashem also created uh, the Mishkan with Chokhmah and also the human being. They're all the same thing. When Hashem created the world, he created the world just like he creates a child in the mother's womb. Just like a child in the mother's womb begins with the umbilical cord with one little spot over there and then gets bigger. Same thing the world. Hashem began from Evan Ashtia and from there the world grew. Now I want to ask, 
the well, the stones of the altar, the umbilical cord. We see how these two start tying together. What What is an umbilical cord? It gives the strength of the mother, right? To the child who grows. What's that? Say it again. Nourishment. Nourishment. That's right. Also interesting, the blood from the mother runs through the child, right? It, it, it the, the whole system, right? The, the, the baby cleans the blood, right? If I'm not mistaken, like, like the kidneys and everything, everything doesn't everything I think I can go through the mother, like it's one big system or something, or to or breathe, it gets the oxygen from the mother, right? Not from its own lungs, mm-hmm. right? The whole it's really like one. So, nourishment, and it, re- it really, really is one. So, let's move now to Evan Hashtia. Based on this, the whole world was created from Evan Hashtia. Evan Hashtia, if we look at this, is the Shar Hashemaim, meaning this is the physical place on earth representing what? Spirituality is now entering earth exactly on that spot. Have you ever heard the terminology of Yerushalayim Shalmala and Yerushalayim Shalmata, the upper Jerusalem and the lower Jerusalem? Have you ever heard the terminology? Yes. yes. What does that mean? It means the physical world and the spiritual world. The holiest place that we can understand in the physical world is Yerushalayim. Beit HaMikdash, Kodesh HaKodeshim. So when we want to connect the holiness of our world with the holiness of Hashem, Hashem again is everywhere. This is us as humans. We need a place, a physical place to attach to. So where does our physical world attach? We call that Beit HaMikdash. We need, we need to physically attach someplace. So we have Beit HaMikdash. We have the place, the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the Holy of Holies. And that's the place we aim to. In other words, that's just our way of connecting with Hashem. Yerushalayim Shalmala, representing total spirituality, connecting with our spirituality and our physical world, and all that happens in Kodesh HaKodeshim, all that happens on Evan Hashtiah. And of course, we may say, what are you talking about? What does it do the story of Yaakov? And it, let's it, now... You're yes. comparing it to an umbilical cord, so then you're basically nourishing the world with with ruchaniyut uh, from through Evan Ashtiyah. And that's what it means. The world was created from it. It doesn't actually mean when Hashem made the world, Hashem took a rock and then wrapped it up with other stones. It means that the Evan Hashtiyah is the Presents, yes, there is a physical stone called Evan because again, we're human beings. We physically need a place we can connect with. We need to shake a lulav on Sukkot. We need to sit inside of Sukkot. We have to eat matzah. We can't just sit and think about the ideas of matzah. It's we're not enough for us. We're human. That's what the Kuzari writes. But look at this. Ready for this now? We're going to see something which is going to throw you off your seats. Throw you off your seats. Okay. By Yashev Yaakov, we go back to the Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer. And he found all the stones became one, and he made it a matzeva, he made it a monument. Now he then poured oil and anointed it. There's only one little problem. He didn't have oil with him. It says that when he ran from Beersheba, he was caught by Eliphaz, the grandson of Esau, who took away everything he had. So 
where do you get oil to anoint? Instead of a miracle oil came down from heaven, which again represents an idea that the idea of oil, oil represents something so spiritual because oil and water do not mix. Oil is always over. This is the Midrashim in uh, in uh, Kohelet. Shemen Hatov, a good name is like good oil, which means you don't get tainted by anything out there. It's always floating over water. You can't ruin oil. It always stays floating. So he gets some very, very high spiritual inclination, and he now anoints the he anoints the stone. And ready for this medrash now? You're holding on really, really, really tight. We have five minutes to go. Okay. Hashem saw that he has the well. He slept. He sees this vision. He realizes the power of spirituality. He realizes that this place is very, very, very special. And Yaakov takes this stone and anoints it, representing that he accepts this mysterious nefesh, this um, total devotion to Hashem, and as Naomi said so beautifully, and for all his children, he sees all the future, and he sees how difficult life is going to be, and all the challenge we're going to go through till Mashiach comes. And Yaakov grabs that stone, which represents the dedication and the and the protection from the physical world, because he accepts Hashem and he accepts spirituality, he accepts the challenge, he accepts it. And he anoints it. Says, Hashem, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to go into the challenge. I anoint it. And now what does Hashem do? Hashem says, okay, you're ready now to create the Jewish nation, which has a mission to be a light to all the other nations in the world. Judaism is about being that gateway to Hashem and spreading the light, being Shar Hashemim, spreading it to the entire world. That's our mission. That's our goal. Masa Kadosh Baruch Hu. Natar Regal Yemino. He took his right leg. Right leg represents deep ideas, right strength, power. Chesed Vetavah Evan. And he took his leg, conceptually speaking, and sunk the rock, Adin Ketehomot, all the way till the core of the earth. Just like a person does Snifla Kippa. And that became known as Evan Hashtiyah. And that became the stone, Tabur Ha'aretz, that became the stone of the core of the earth. And from there, all the world spanned. And that's why that's, Hashem took that stone, sunk it to the core of the earth. That became Evan Ashtiyah. And that's why on that spot became Kodesh HaKodeshim. So it says over here explicitly, not the other way around, not that, oh, there's Beit HaMikdash, and Beit HaMikdash happens to be a stone. It says over here the other way around. It says here that Hashem took the stone of Yaakov, forced it into the ground, made it the core of the earth, and that's why the Beit HaMikdash is there, and that's why the Yerushalayim Shalmala is the gateway to the upper, to the the world of spirituality and the physical world, that's why it's going to be over there. So it's the opposite. So, wait, 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 wait. So, who made Evan Hashtia? Hashem. Who created it? Hashem, that's right. From what? 
good from what was it from created the from? That, that Yaakov gathered. That gathered. So, wait, one second. Is Evan Ashtia a stone that's been there forever and ever? Or did Yaakov remember the question that was asked here about an hour ago in this year, right? Mm -hmm. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't it a contradiction? No, it's not a contradiction. It's the idea. In other words, a stone is a stone. <laughs> that, that's all it is. It's, it's just a stone. But the Evan Ashtia is not about a stone. It's about that Yaakov Avinu reach the highest level of being willing him and his children to dedicate their lives completely to Hashem. Paramoriyah where Akidat Yitzchak took place. It says that when Hashem created Adam HaRishon, Adam, he took the dirt from the place of the Mizbeach. Again, the place of the Beit HaMikdash, that's where he took the dirt. Noah brings a sacrifice to Hashem on that place too. So it, it Haramoriyah came a place where our forefathers developed uh, from Adam and Noah and Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov. That is where they expressed their total dedication to Hashem. And that's why Hashem says, this is the gateway to heaven. Heaven and earth connect by, by people wanting to connect with spirituality. It's not about Hashem being up there and, oh, you know, and we're, we're done here. It, it, it's about the connection. Hashem will, will, will connect with us if we want to connect with Hashem. So Hashem took the place of Hara Moriah, took the Evan Hashtia, which represents the total dedication. It was taken from the stones of the Mizbeach of Yitzhak, representing dedication. It was done by Yaakov Avinu, accepting now that he's ready to go into the real world, use the stones to protect him and use that power of connection to spirituality to take him through the darkness. He's about to go through that, him and his children, thousands of years of darkness, and they're protected. They're strong. And Hashem says, this, this dedication, this connection of human beings with me, this is Evan Hashdiah. Yes, there's a physical rock, but it's, it's the beauty here is where human beings want to connect. Shara Shemaim is not that Hashem's there, we're here, and we're trying to connect with Hashem. When we connect with Hashem, we now create something called the gateway of heaven. We're going to see Bezrat Hashem next week. I'll show you the Midrashim that says that Hashem says, I could only have a Yerushalayim Shalmala. I could only have a spiritual entity only if the human beings create a spiritual entity in this world. So it's a gateway for me also to be able to get into the gate, into Yerushalayim Shalmala. So let's just summarize what we've seen today. We've seen today as follows. We've seen today that the previous class, Yerushalayim, I'm just summarizing in one in, in a line or two. The previous Yerushalayim, we saw Evan Ashtiyah, something very special, Kodesh Kodeshim, the Holy of Holies, at the core of the world. We saw also that it's uh, an umbilical cord, just like human human beings in the world, and Beit Hamikdash truly are one. It's us connecting with Hashem. Today we've seen that it's the humans who are the ones building that dedication. Now Hashem makes the Evan Hashdiyah because human beings now, because as Yerushalayim Shalmata, because humans want to connect with Hashem, this now makes that 
the place, the place of dedication, that place now becomes the place where Hashem is connected with people. That's where human beings became dedicated to Hashem. And that's why that place became Kodesh Kodeshim. And that's why that place became Evanishtia. Just as we end, uh, it says that by Hashem, there's no such concept as past, present, and future. So even though the Rakashtia, by definition, had to have been there before Yaakov gets there, in the merit of Yaakov, of being on that, the rock of Shtia, exactly the rock of Yaakov, it doesn't actually matter. It, it, the idea would be that because Yaakov actually has dedication, oh, yeah, Avram, Adam Arishon, Noach, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, that's the place of dedication. Therefore, in retrospect, from our perspective, Hashem builds Evan Shtia, the Kodesh Kodeshim is over there, but it's really all about our dedication. And that's why Evan Shtia was there, true, from the beginning of the world, but it's there in that merit. But Hashem, in the next year, which is the final shear, we're going to see the beautiful, beautiful Midrashim, how human beings are the ones who are actually building the spirituality in the world. We'll also learn about what we do on Yom Kippur in Kodesh HaKodeshim, how we connect with Hashem. And in that merit now, we're able to build a world of spirituality and Hashem is able to now connect with the earth and also to make spirituality great, if Yerushalayim Shalmata, the lower Jerusalem, the physical world, the spirituality in this physical world of Jerusalem is on a high level, this now enables the upper Jerusalem to prosper that much more. But Hashem, we'll see all that next week. The Shar Hashemayim, gateway to heaven, Evan Hashtiyah, umbilical cord of spirituality in our physical world, which also enables spirituality to grow as well. Okay. That so, was amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very, very much. Well, Hashem, next week just puts everything just all together. Uh, you'll see, by the way, you'll see next week, you see Yom Kippur, you'll actually see what the Kohen Gadol does in Kodesh Kodeshim, and like, oh, oh that, that also that makes perfect sense. It's going to make perfect oh. sense what we're doing there. Well, with Yaakov uh, dreaming and seeing the angels going up and down, they're basically going from Yerushalayim Shalmata to Yerushalayim Shalmata and back. Right? First of all, there are a number of Midrashim over there, what exactly the angels are doing. The Pirkei de Rebelezer brings the Midrash that what they were doing is they were rising up to take control over Am Yisrael. Olim, Olim, again, there are a lot of Midrashim. So it so one, you might say, well, when Bajash maybe they're going from the lower Jerusalem to the upper Jerusalem. Blesser says he sees them going up the ladder, like overcoming spirituality, like the Babylonians destroyed the Beit HaMikdash, right? The yeah. Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, you know, and, and like they go up, but he saw them also coming down over spirituality one at the end. The last one, he got very scared because the last Galut is not over and that lasts for thousands, you know, thousands of years. And again, it was a very, very strong lesson. But that's again one midrash. So the other ones that there were the Malachim of Eretz Yisrael going to Chutzar is a million midrashim. Uh, mm -hmm. Midrashim again, it, it, it's endless. It's endless. It's endless. It's endless. So we're trying over here with an Evan Ashtiyah to find the midrashim, actually focusing on these deep ideas of how it connects to to Evan Ashtiyah. But you're 100 percent right. Thank you. Anyway, okay. Thank, Thank you, Rabbi. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.